0: The following podcast is by Mr. Jim Taylor, Elder Law and Special Needs Attorney, helping and protecting those who need long-term care. And welcome back, everyone, to the Answers for Elders Radio Network with Jim Taylor, Elder Law Attorney, based out of Richfield, Ohio, which is right up near between uh, uh, Cleveland, and, Cleveland Akron. and Akron area, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. And most importantly, I'm a mile from country-made ice cream and a mile and a half from Whitey's Booze and Burgers.
0: Well, there you go. That's... <laughs> you
1: when can tell, tell what's days, important to me, food.
0: You never know. <laughs> so, Jim, we've been talking about um, agreements and, and paperwork that we have to sign. Obviously, when we come into a quote-unquote skilled care facility, whether it's assisted living or nursing skilled nursing facilities etc and um give us a before we start in the next segment can you give us just a brief synopsis of if somebody's just catching you on slide two or part two what did what did they miss in part one
1: okay in part one we talked about whether the how the agreement should document what services are available that meet your loved one's needs Mm-hmm. And this was this is very much state based. This is something Ohio has that I'm hoping other states copy. Although I worry about Ohio's enforcement, um, but uh, where an assisted living has to be pretty specific on what they offer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, because they are very different from one assisted living to another on the services sure. they choose to provide. Very different business models, and nursing homes tend, at least in the services they offer, quality is a different question. But in the services they offer, they tend to be much more similar from one nursing home to another, even between Cleveland and Seattle. Nursing homes are going to look a lot more alike than assisted livings between Richfield and Cleveland.
0: Well, most skilled nursing facilities are national companies. There's very few, at least out here in Washington State, that are independently run um, or, you
1: know, small. Out here, we have a lot more that are, uh, are small regional chains. There are a few oh, really? national okay. we, we have several regionals out here and then some onesies and twosies. Yeah, we,
0: we, I suppose we have a few regional, but, um, you know, we have like the Avomirs and the, and the uh, you know.
1: <laughs> well, see, the Avenue's out here, too, so I think it's gone past regional.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. They're national.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've got the Renaissance, which is two or three, and uh, we've got we we now see more and more of the small companies with the uh, uh, four and five people in a house.
0: Oh, oh yes. Well, that's different. That's an adult family home here for here right. in in um, Seattle, in Washington, and those I'm a huge fan
1: of. Yeah, as long as, they, with everyone else, as long as they're not cutting, co- cutting costs by cutting services, I'm right. okay. Right, well, me too. But yeah. all, too, all too often I see, yeah. I, and I can't, I'm not picking out adult group homes uh, or family care homes, but all too often we see care providers cutting costs because that, yeah. they're in business. Yeah. And Medicaid is not paying them any more money, certainly not paying what they ought to be paying. And if they rely on Medicaid, they're really squeezed.
0: Mm -hmm. And COVID
1: just clobbered them because nobody wanted to move in. So they're trying to make up their losses from that. Yeah, true. And a lot of them changed hands. So they're under even more pressure to to pay off the debt of the recent purchase. Yep. So back to talking about admission agreements or residency agreements or whatever Mm -hmm. your particular place calls it. Uh, Now, at the national level, the national rules, again, under Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which Mm -hmm. is abbreviated CMS, I'm not sure where the other M went um under cms rules a place that takes medicare or medicaid cannot demand in its admission agreement that the resident give up the right to seek medicaid now if the facility doesn't accept medicaid they're not obviously not subject to that rule okay but if they do accept medicaid they cannot say we will take you only on private pay so they have to they, they cannot have that prohibition on seeking medicaid in their agreement um in addition, they cannot demand a waiver of personal property loss, meaning the nursing home or assisted living or whomever is not liable if your necklace disappears, if your cash disappears, if your sure. bed sheets disappear. Okay, um, the problem is I see that almost in every admission agreement I review. They're prohibited from putting it in there, but they put it in anyway because most families don't know and, even and the family, they just sign it, and they and then if something disappears, it's big enough to to fuss over. The family says something. Said, "Oh, you you waived it. You can't claim personal property now." They don't know that it was a, an illegal clause to begin with, so they don't take it to the next level in a dispute. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I actually I had one where I found I know, easily half a dozen. Um, clauses that simply violate state or federal rules and then two or three others we just didn't like and I marked it up and the attorney for the nursing home said no we're taking no changes at all so, you know, some of these are illegal yeah we're making no changes at all so, so this is a contract of adhesion I asked him oh I didn't say that so you didn't have to it, it, it's a contract of adhesion mm-hmm. that's what you're doing here that's a that's a term of art that says one person neg- did all the writing and the other just accepted it, didn't have uh, negotiating leverage. So if there's a problem later, whatever interpretation could go one way or the other, it's going to go in favor of the one who had the less power in the negotiation. Okay. And he was not good. Admitted as a contract of Asian, but that's exactly what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. General counsel and I are not friends at all. <laughs> so, um so, well,
0: um, it's different you're you know, obviously you're um, who you're protecting is is different, so
1: oh yeah, oh yeah, and I don't like his chain of nursing homes anyway. They are not good providers of care. Uh, they' are, they're high on my um, naughty list uh, to borrow something from Santa Claus. Um, now, here's one of my favorites or least favorites, however you want to do it. Uh, everyone describe it. An arbitration clause, nursing home and, and assisted living, like, frankly, most businesses you'll find. In, uh, if you signed up for a new bank account, you'll find that you've agreed to arbitrate. If you sign up for cell phone service, you'll find that you agreed to arbitrate. Uh, PayPal just put this in, uh, Venmo just put this in. Okay. Um, they want to go to arbitration because, in theory, it's cheaper. What it really is, in my view, because I I deal with some people who do nursing home litigation, and they say, no, it's no cheaper to arbitrate than it is to go to court. Arbitration can be held in confidence. You agree to the arbitration, and in there, you agree to do it confidentially. Well, the confidential part really bugs me. Mm -hmm. I cannot point to anything in nursing home world or assisted living world where the confidentiality has kept uh, bad things from being fixed, but I can point to it in the Catholic church. The Catholic church used confidential mediation with church members who had been molested by clergy and tried to make nice with those church members. Right. The confidentiality of that mediation kept the greater world from finding out for decades and perhaps centuries about clergy sex abuse. If it hadn't been for the Boston Globe and the spotlight uh, group at Boston Globe, bringing everything to light, um, hence the name spotlight, I assume. Yes. Um, we wouldn't know. Right. And, and the confidential mediation kept it quiet. Well, the confidentiality by keeping it from getting out there in the public reduces the pressure of the bad actor, the Catholic Church in that case, nursing homes and assisted livings and Mm -hmm. banks and cell phone companies and PayPal and Venmo from having their bad acts come to light, okay? Um, So they can settle with you and it's all confidential. They can make you do arbitration if you agree to it and it's confidential. Well, under the Obama administration, the Obama administration prohibited arbitration clauses. That got taken to court and tied up through the end of the Obama administration. The Trump administration put in a, a restored the rule, but modified it somewhat a little bit in favor of the um, resident, okay? But the resident has to be proactive. So uh, an arbitration agreement is an agreement, a clause in whatever you're signing that says, I agree to go to arbitration and not to go to court. And it almost always says, I agree that I cannot join a class action. And it almost always says, I agree that it will be confidential arbitration. Okay. And it may be in Bermuda by three people who work at nursing homes. That's very case specific, Mm -hmm. but you can get around this if you are proactive. The resident or whoever's signing on behalf of the resident can reject the arbitration clause at the time of signing and has 30 days after that, even if they signed it, 30 days to rescind. On wow. And is this, you're locked is, in.
0: And this is um, US law, nursing home law, or is this... Yeah, this
1: is Code of Federal Regulations and a wow. on the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is a piece of Health and Human Services. Well, there you go. Okay. But most people don't know that and they don't even bother to no. look at the agreement. They just sign the stupid thing. Okay. Yeah. So, I have tried to be proactive on admission agreements, and yes, it's starting with me, and yes, it's going to take forever and long after I die for this to have any effect, probably. I have created an arbitration opt-out advance directive that you sign while you're signing powers of attorney. It's available on my website, protectingseniors.com, and then go to the toolbox tab. It's a one-pager that an estate planning lawyer friend of mine and I put together, that says, I don't care what I sign or my agent signs at the time that I'm going into a nursing home or assisted living. I don't agree to arbitration. Okay. And yeah, let's just assume that we signed at the time that because we were under the gun, health was a bigger concern than the contract. So uh, if you get this agreement nursing home within the 30 days, then I'm opting out. OK, and it specifically cites the code of federal regulations under which these arbitration clauses
0: mm-hmm. are,
1: uh, are discussed. <clears throat> Take this thing, sign it, attach it to your healthcare power of attorney or healthcare proxy or whatever they call it in your state and to your general power of attorney. I all but guarantee the nursing home is going to ask for those or the assisted living is going to ask for those. Then when they get them, now they've got the opt out and you've got, got a way to say, hey, I opted out. Most yeah. people never have a dispute with a nursing home or assisted living, but if they do, I want them to have the right to go to court. Wow. Because if if one person gets hurt because there's lack of training or lack of equipment, I want that to come to light. So the nursing home has an incentive to fix the training, fix the equipment, mm-hmm. add more staff, whatever.
0: Good, good. And Jim, we're going to be right back
1: talking about what? We're gonna, the next thing we're going to talk about is what's called the resident representative.
0: This is oh, where wow. family
1: get this is where family gets screwed.
0: That, well, we're going to be right back, everyone. Stay tuned for part three. State of Ohio residents, you have a friend to help you navigate long-term care while protecting your assets. You can reach Jim. At www.protectingseniors.com, or just email him at hyphen afe That's Jkowler-afe at protectingseniors.com. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show.